0: Hi, this is Colin McAllen with the Is This Legal podcast. We hope you're enjoying our show. Please help us out by taking a moment to leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts, or to subscribe. Thank you. Welcome
1: to Is This Legal? Here are your hosts, attorneys Colin McCallan and Russell Evans.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Is This Legal podcast. Here with another episode. My name is Colin McAllen, and I'm here with Russell Hevett. Say hi, Russ. Hello, everyone out there in podcast land. Hello, and um, you know today uh, we are a little heavy-hearted here um, because, as I'm sure most Americans are, uh, we are still reeling after the horrific death of George Floyd on May 25th, 2020. Uh, We're recording this episode a little over a week later. Um, there is still a lot of protesting going on in the country. There are still curfews in place. And, and frankly, um, we're seeing uh, a reckoning in this country uh, like this, like we haven't seen in years. And uh, what we thought we would do today is uh, do a podcast looking at the criminal culpability of Officer Derek Chauvin. Who uh, was the arrest? uh, He was the officer who knelt down on George Floyd's neck for almost nine minutes, causing him to die, as well as his three officers who were accompanying him on scene. We're going to look at the criminal liability that these officers have or lack thereof with regard to some of the homicide statutes that come out of Minnesota, right, Russ?
1: That's exactly what we're going to do. And just to let everyone know, this, this obviously is has been happening for a long time, where specifically people of color have been dying at the hands of law enforcement. This is not isolated. This is not the first time. And we are going to be doing another podcast that focuses on that issue more broadly in the near future. So keep your eyes out and stay tuned for that. And don't think we're missing something today. Um, we're not going to dive into that. It would just It's just too much to bite off in one podcast, but we will be coming back to that. And right now,
0: let's start talking about um, the late Mr. Floyd. Yep. Um, horrible, horrible situation. Um, uh, you, you certainly know what we're talking about. If any of you have seen the video or even clips of the video, Uh, It happened in broad daylight in front of um, a number of people, and it was truly just one of the most horrific things uh, one could ever imagine seeing. It's hard to watch. Um, And, you know, to the best that we can, as difficult as it is fresh off of this event, we're going to try and look at these criminal statutes in Minnesota as objectively as we can. Um, You know, we're going to try and... Uh, leave the emotion and pain out of it, and we're just going to say, okay, here's what, for example, second-degree murder in Minnesota says. Let's look at what we have. Um, can that be proven?
1: Well, let's let's bring us up to date right now. Initially, uh, the
0: officer, Officer Chauvin, was charged with third-degree murder. Right. We're going to be talking about these charges, but he was originally charged with murder in the third degree and manslaughter in the second degree out of the state of Minnesota. And just recently, just
1: within the past 24 hours... Within the last hour. Within the last hour, that... homicide charge that murder charge was upgraded to second Second degree degree. that's correct and and it's actually it's interesting We'll we'll talk about it when we get there but we were supposed to do this podcast yesterday (laughs) and we're going to have a discussion about why they chose the charges that they did and why they didn't go for a higher charge so it's very interesting that by the time we're sitting down to record this podcast He's now up to a second-degree murder charge.
0: Well, that's not the only thing that's changed since yesterday. The the other big development, and also that I think just came down within the last hour, is the Attorney General for Minnesota announced that the other three officers who were present on scene are going to be charged with aiding and abetting murder. So let, let's dive in. So what is, Colin,
1: what is second-degree murder and what is third-degree manslaughter in Minnesota?
0: Uh, for, uh, for, for our faithful listeners, you're going to have some background on this because our podcast, But I Didn't Mean to Kill Anyone, uh, talked about all of these different charges in a much, much lighter context. So if you're look, looking for a good laugh, check out that, uh, that episode, But I Didn't Kill Anybody. But we're going to do it in the context of the Minnesota statutes as it pertains to this case. And we're going to start at actually the very, very tippy top. The, uh, we're, we're going to look at all of the charges that the AG could have uh, could have charged in this case and why we think he did or did not exercise those charges. So before we go to the charge he's charged with of second-degree murder, let's talk quickly about first-degree murder and why he's not charged there. Uh, first-degree murder in Minnesota is just like it is here in Colorado. Uh, first-degree murder is when you uh, kill a person with the intent to kill that person after premeditation. Right, and, and
1: that's the key thing is with intent. We're talking about mens rea or mental state to commit a crime. And that is in most, if not all states, that what's that is what makes a first-degree murder charge a first-degree murder charge. Right. It is the intentional mindset. In this case, it's pretty clear that there was no premeditation. This wasn't a plan to kill him. This wasn't, you know, built out. This this was not premeditated, and so we're not in that area of intentional.
0: I, I agree with Russ on that. Um, and, and uh premeditation, just to be clear, like I, it doesn't mean that Officer Chauvin had to like sit down and write out how he was going to, you know, meticulously plan a murder of George Floyd. Okay, although, that, although they don't that, need that. That would have done it though. <laughs> that would have helped the <laughs> prosecution for first degree murder. But, um, I mean, you know, premeditation can happen in an instantaneous second. I mean, um, you can pick up a gun, point it at someone, and shoot them. And that could be enough for premeditation. But I I agree with Russ that I think it would be an incredible stretch um, for a jury to reach a unanimous verdict for murder in the first degree because I think there's a lack of premeditation here.
1: So let's drop down. Let's, let's drop, drop down. through second degree murder in the state of Minnesota.
0: Okay. So um, at this point, because the information is so new, um, we don't know the subsection under which the attorney general is proceeding, but we're going to read uh, the statute for murder in the second degree that we think could be applicable here. Um, so um, here is murder in the second degree from Minnesota. Whoever does Either of the following is guilty of murder in the second degree and may be in set, sentenced to imprisonment for not more than 40 years, colon. And here's the first subsection. If a person causes the death of a human being with the intent to affect the death of that person or another, but without premeditation. That's the first way that uh, murder in the second degree can be committed. The other way we're looking at in this case is if the person causes the death of a human being, Without intent to effect the death of any person while committing or attempting to commit a felony offense. Okay, so that is what we call felony murder. We're going to talk about that. Let's take each one of these in turn. Russ, let's look at this first subsection where we're talking about causing the death of a human being with the intent uh, to affect the death of that person. That's what the Minnesota AG is saying Officer uh, Chauvin did. Yeah, that's, well, it could be one of these two. So right. if, if they go with this one,
1: so what they are saying, the only difference between this and first degree is that lack of premeditation. Mm-hmm. So this was not planned ahead of time, but they still have the highest mental state, the highest mens rea, where Officer Chauvin intended to kill. Mr. Floyd. That is what they would have to prove in order to do that. Now, they don't obviously have a confession. They're going to have to use circumstantial evidence surrounding what happened here to prove that intent.
0: Right. We've seen that video, right? I, I'm pretty sure we can agree that at no point Derek Chauvin said, I intend right. for George Floyd to die right now. Right. E- exactly. Now, what
1: they do have, though, is they have him continuing to kneel on his neck
0: for, nine for almost
1: nine minutes. They have him continuing to kneel on his neck after
0: he's saying, I can't breathe. After he's crying for help. After 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 members of a crowd are saying, he he's not moving,
1: he's unresponsive. After another officer took his pulse and couldn't find it. You have him saying, I can't breathe, a 16 separate times. The DA or the prosecutor can look at that and say, ladies ladies and gentlemen of the jury, you can infer intent from this. If someone doesn't intend to kill someone, they're not going to keep kneeling on their neck after they're
0: unresponsive and there's no pulse. Right. And and we're going to kind of uh, toggle back and forth between uh, prosecutor and defense attorney as we go through these two. I mean, we're, we're going to talk about, okay, if we're the defense attorney for Mr. Chauvin, what are we going to say? And I guess coming back to that, the defense, of course... Is going to say there was no intent to kill here. There was a there was there was an attempt to restrain. There was an attempt to subdue. An um, intent to control. An attempt to control. Um, and uh, maybe uh, at worst there was a uh, I guess a misinterpretation by the officer uh, of how serious this man needed medical attention. Right. I mean, that's and, what I'm going to say as a defense attorney. Right. We're certainly going to do anything we can. To show that there's no intent to kill, right? Exactly. So let's so let's go on to this second possible way of charging
1: murder in the second degree in Minnesota. So for this, we're talking about a murder that um, causes the death of a human being while committing or attempting to commit a felony offense. What about that?
0: So this is interesting. Um, this is uh, pretty similar to fel- a felony murder statute. And just really quickly to illustrate what felony murder is, it's, it's, a, it's, it's an interesting legal concept where I'm going to give you an example. Let's say Jebediah and Cornelius, are old friends, let's say they decided that they're going to rob a liquor store. Jebediah is the gunman. Uh, Cornelius is the getaway driver. Cornelius never goes in the store. Jebediah goes in with his rifle and shoots the clerk. Killing him. Killing him. And he comes out and they drive off. Um, Under the felony murder rule... Cornelius, even though he never got out of the car, even though he never touched the, the, the gun, he is still liable for first-degree murder against the store clerk because he was in the commission of a felony right. when the that murder was committed. Does doesn't matter that he had no idea there were going to be shots fired.
1: It it really doesn't matter if Jebediah had told him, hey, don't worry, I don't have bullets
0: in this gun. That's not a defense. So here, let's look at this. It was Officer Chauvin... Committing a felony when uh, George Floyd died, uh, and and this is this is up for debate. First of all, there's kind of an exception to the felony murder rule where they say, well, the underlying felony can't be assault because. Um, Assault is essentially what we call a lesser included offense to murder. If you've murdered somebody, you've probably assaulted them. In other words, you've, you've, you've clearly assaulted. Right. Them. So you know this is usually we usually see this with like aggravated robbery or something like that. Um, so uh, it's it's actually unclear to us if the attorney general is saying that he was committing the the felony of assault or some other felony, and during the commission of that felony, George Floyd died. So therefore, he's guilty of felony murder. Again, we don't have specificity on how the AG has charged second-degree murder, and and there's a lot of different ways it can be charged. So we're kind of speculating at this point. What do you think of felony murder here, Russ?
1: So it's it's interesting, and we we right now just don't have the information to make to make that assessment. Okay. Um, we, we really don't because we don't, we have just, obviously the videos that bystanders took, we don't have the body cam video. We don't have any internal investigations. We don't have any interviews with the officers. We don't have interviews with witnesses. So there's a lot we don't know. If they can come up with a felony that they think was being perpetrated, that may work. Now, now that, that merger that we talked about, that's a common law,
0: Merger, right, right, you're right, and we don't practice in Minnesota, so right. it's unclear whether or not Minnesota will recognize an underlying felony of assault. Exactly, uh, that would be allowable for felony murder, but well, I guess we're going to see. Now, um, ready to move on to murder in the third degree. Yes. This is, this is what he was originally charged with up until an hour ago. Yes, exactly. And, and I think it, it's safe to say it's something he still has exposure to if he goes to trial. A jury might be able to say, well, we don't think he's guilty of second-degree murder, but he th- we, we do think he's guilty of, uh, of third-degree murder.
1: And, and what that's called is a lesser-included, yep. and the DA has the option, or the prosecutor, I should say, has the option of including any lesser-included offenses to give the jury that choice.
0: So murder in the third degree. Let's read it um, here. And again, this is this is what we believe he is still charged with and was originally charged with. Whoever, without intent to affect the death of any person, causes the death of another by perpetrating an act eminently dangerous to others and evincing a depraved mind, without regard for human life, is guilty of murder in the third degree. And may be sentenced to imprisonment for not more than twenty-five years. Um, so that is third-degree murder. Russ, what do we think about that that's, and how it applies here? That's that's the easiest one. I think that that
1: is falls squarely within the com- conduct that is depicted. In those videos. What you have to prove here, I, I mean, you still have to prove some things if you're a prosecutor. You still have to prove depraved mind. You have to prove that
0: the death was caused by Officer Chavez. Yes, yes. So you have to, yes, causation. And remember, there we have, a, we, have, we have just a quick side note. There there appear to be two separate autopsies that were conducted here that revealed different things. Um, one of the autopsies indicated that this was an asphyxiation, strangulation case. Another autopsy came back and said, that but that was part of it, but underlying health conditions on the part of Mr. Floyd also contributed to his death.
1: Right, right. So, but but both still had asphyxiation, and you know we they can, included
0: culpability for what the officer did. Yeah,
1: certainly. exactly. I feel like it's a difficult defense to say that
0: He didn't cause the death.
1: He wouldn't be dead but for right. the conduct of Officer Chauvin, I mean, which that, is that, what they'd have to show.
0: How do you overcome that video? Yeah,
1: so I mean I feel like that's not where the defense is gonna go, although yeah I mean maybe you throw everything at the wall if you're defending this guy, but um I think it's tough to say that <laughs> that he'd still be alive and it was just these underlying conditions that had nothing to do with that neck on the throat for nine minutes. Um but the other part of this is that he was conducting an act that was eminently dangerous, evincing a depraved mind, Hmm. and without
0: regard for human life. So that's what they'd have to prove. Um, A depraved mind. Um, I wonder if that term is defined. Uh, We don't have a definition of what that means. Um, I will say, we were talking about this yesterday. So as we mentioned, for third-degree murder in Minnesota, the punishment caps out at 25 years. And the only reason I want to bring that up is... Um, Third-degree murder mirrors, in Colorado, a subsection of first-degree murder where we call it um, extreme indifference to the value of human life. So here's an example. Uh, uh, if a person fires a gun into a crowd, right? right. Um, that With pers- that
1: without intending to shoot any specific one person. Or kill
0: any or one pill. person, perhaps. Right. Um, you know, so the defense there would be, well, wait, he didn't mean to kill anybody. No, 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 no. Uh, you can actually, in Colorado, be charged with first degree murder because your conduct was so reckless and so extreme and so indifferent to the sanctity of human life that we can infer we can infer your intent to kill based on your actions. So the only point I wanted to make is, you go to life, uh, go away for life here in Colorado for this same charge. Uh, Mr. Chauvin will cap out at twenty-five years. Forty years for the second. Forty years for second. That's yeah. correct. Yeah. So
1: forty. So so they upped it there. Yeah. And you know, let me let me. I think right now, let's let's just interject real quick and just be clear on who's charging him and how that jurisdiction works, because this is a state case. We're looking at the state of Minnesota statutes, and originally this falls to whatever county. The conduct the act was occurred in. So in this case, it's Hennepin County. So the Hennepin County attorney, gentleman by the name of Mike Freeman, was the one who initially had this case. He's the one who decided we're going forward on the third degree murder charge. He's the one who announced the arrest. He's the one who waited five days and left Officer Chauvin out of custody for that time, rather than arresting him pending an yeah, investigation. That was interesting. That was interesting and in that he didn't have to do that. Right. You know, you typically have a murder suspect. They're they're sitting in a jail cell while right. you decide if you're going to charge him or
0: not. Right. And, and, and of course, I mean, a lot of the protests and things that we've seen uh, came partly because no one was arrested for, right. for four or five days right. you know they, they were fired immediately I think within 24 hours right but um, yeah people were wondering what is going on why is this man not in police custody right, right. And, and to be clear murder investigations take some time oh yeah and so like
1: you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily expect all the filings to be done immediately
0: but you would expect someone to be arrested Uh, you well you would and not only that you you would expect that everything in a case like this would be rushed given the priority i mean i mean look both russ and i have been prosecutors before high profile cases cases that make the media cases that have the community talking are going to get priority treatment i don't know what uh the delay was in this case irrespective of the debate of of what charges are appropriate here anybody who watched that video saw a terrible crime being committed yeah and so i you know it was it was bizarre to see the waiting game there so so first um
1: i do think there's still a defense though so i think that video is horrendous but i think the defense can put something up there at least as to the top charge but perhaps that weight in arresting him was part of the reason why Mike Freeman is no longer leading this investigation continue so what happened is the governor of the state of Minnesota governor walls he shortly after that filing decision so short within a week he appointed Minnesota AG Keith Keith Ellison to take over this prosecution okay so this is still a state charge The AG of Minnesota still has state jurisdiction, and he has jurisdiction to prosecute this case. This is unusual where an AG would take over a case like this. And
0: and I think the argument that's been put forward for that is that uh, the attorney general has more resources, has more uh, statewide resources than the county attorney. I don't know, I, that would probably wouldn't happen here in Colorado. Uh, we can't really speak for Minnesota, but I, I, w- I, would, I would say that
1: if I had to hazard a guess and it's just a guess, I think it would have something perhaps something to do with how Hennepin handled it initially without arresting Officer Chauvin. But it also probably has something to do with Mr. A.G. Ellison's race. Because Mr. Ellison is African-American. And Mike Freeman was a a white man? A white man. And I know that the governor got letters from state lawmakers, some of which explicitly referenced race. Mm -hmm. And they basically said, we don't feel comfortable with that a white man is going to handle this with the degree of care that is necessary Mm -hmm. on this. So Mm -hmm. he was getting pressure from state lawmakers. He was getting pressure from the victim's family. And it ended up where we have Keith Ellison. Now, why, Colin, isn't this a
0: federal case? A great question. Um, So uh, this is not a federal case. He is not being charged. uh, These officers are not being charged by the federal government. They're only being charged by the state. And that's because when it comes to uh, law violations relating to homicide things like that those traditionally are handled by the state in which uh, the offense was committed there are some exceptions to that if this case had taken place on federal land parkland if this take if, the, if this uh, was part of a crime spree that uh, encompassed multiple states right uh, you know things like that, uh, the federal the federal agencies can there then intervene because
1: right now they don't have they straight up do not have jurisdiction over this case correct there is no interstate nexus that allows the federal government to step in this is state rights. They can, the federal government can't step in and say, hey, we're going to take over this investigation. Mm-hmm. They don't have jurisdiction. Now, like you said, if it happened on Parkland, uh, Air Force Base, Army Base, or if it, for example, involved a firearm that was transported between state lines. So the feds have a lot of ways to kind of bootstrap jurisdiction. But in this case, no. as to the
0: murder, they do not. But, that's a big but. Right. But... Is that to say that these officers may never face federal charges? Um, The answer to that is no. The answer to that is a resounding no. So the Department of Justice, um, while they don't have original jurisdiction over this matter, what they are tasked with is to investigate misconduct from individual police officers who are accused of violating a person's civil rights. And in fact... Um, I'm reading directly from the Department of Justice website. The department's investigations most often involve alleged uses of excessive force, but also include sexual misconduct, theft, false arrest, and here it is, deliberate indifference to serious medical needs or a substantial risk of harm to a person in custody. So they can prosecute these officers criminally for civil rights violations independent of whatever Minnesota does with them. Now, we usually see the feds wait in the wings on this, right? We, we do. That's their typical MO. They basically wait and see and let the criminal case
1: in the state court go through. And if someone gets convicted and they get a life sentence, for example, well, they don't need to do anything. But here's, here's a, very, a very poignant example that most people on this podcast probably remember, and that is the Rodney King beating. Rodney King was tried in state court, or I'm sorry, he wasn't tried. The police officers were tried in state court, and they were acquitted. That's right, and that was in California state court. Right, California, state of California. that led to the LA riots. Right, exactly. No federal involvement with that. Once they were acquitted, the feds stepped in, the Fed said, we're going to prosecute these same officers, even though they were already acquitted, for civil rights violations. That, ladies and gentlemen, is not a violation of double jeopardy. You may right. have you may have listened to our double <laughs> jeopardy podcast. That is not a violation of double jeopardy because it's a different crime. Two
0: separate jurisdictions,
1: that's correct. Separate jurisdictions, separate elements, yep. separate crime, even though it stems from the same occurrence. Exactly. So in this case, it's actually unusual. Usual, but the feds have already announced they've opened an investigation. Now, what will happen with that? Who knows? Maybe nothing right now, but they are already being at least a little bit proactive on this case, although obviously there's
0: no talk of them opening up a criminal filing. Exactly. So uh, we've covered the murder statutes uh, in this case. I mean, and I, I think uh, in summary, Russ and I agree, I think third, murder in the third degree is probably the most provable offense here. Murder in the second degree, a little bit of a stretch there in the sense that you have to improve, you have to prove that this officer intended George Floyd to die. Um, the, the evidence may bear that out. We will wait and see. But now... Uh, let's move to the manslaughter statutes. So let's first talk about manslaughter in the first degree. Uh, I'll be honest with you, Russ and I looked at this, and we don't really think that this is going to apply. Interestingly enough, they do have a uh, what I'm going to call a misdemeanor murder statute, where if you're committing a misdemeanor and you end up causing the death of somebody, you can be charged with manslaughter in the first degree. Make, makes sense to me. Right. So, but uh, he, uh, manslaughter in the first degree probably does not apply in this case. However, manslaughter in the second degree, I think does apply. And uh, Officer Chauvin, this is one of his charges that he's facing. So let's look at manslaughter in the second degree. I think you're going to find that this kind of sounds like criminally negligent homicide. Um, Here's what it says. A person who causes the death of another... By any of the following means is guilty of manslaughter in the second degree and may be sentenced to imprisonment for not more than 10 years or payment of a fine of $20,000 or both. So here it is. Uh, By the person's culpable negligence, whereby the person creates an unreasonable risk and consciously takes chances of causing death or great bodily harm to another. Um, I think that's the subsection that's most appropriate here. Russ, what do we think about... uh, What do we think about manslaughter in the second degree?
1: I think the prosecution decided to charge this because it's an easy one for them to get. Mm -hmm. Um, This one is one where you don't have to prove intent. Um, You can basically say, you you can take the wind out of the defense's sails on most of their arguments. And you can basically just say, hey... Maybe he didn't mean to do it,
0: but... But he did it. But he did it. And and it it was preventable. Yeah. That's all that matters. Right. He took an unreasonable risk uh, with regard to the safety of George Mm. Floyd, right?
1: Exactly. So this one, I think, this one is is tough to get around for the defense. I think it is very, very likely that
0: he goes down on this one. All right. Now, Russ, uh, having looked at that, let me... What do you think about this as a defense strategy for Officer Chauvin? If, 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 if I'm his lawyer, what if I said, do you think this could be like a damage control defense where you, you appeal to the jury and you say, you know what, Officer Chauvin did a bad thing that day. But what he didn't do was murder. He didn't commit murder in the second degree or third degree uh, he didn't commit manslaughter in this in the first degree. He committed manslaughter in the second degree. That's what he did. That's what you should convict him of. Um, we're not denying that any of this terrible this terrible thing, uh, you know, didn't happen as a result of Officer Chauvin's conduct. We just want you to co- to convict him of a lesser charge. What do you think about that strategy in this case?
1: It's interesting. Um, that's an interesting strategy. Um, You know, you can always make that argument while making the other argument. You can say he didn't do anything. You can say, you know, under this manslaughter in the second degree, they have to prove um, a person creates an unreasonable risk. And you can basically say, listen... He didn't create an unreasonable risk because George Floyd was resisting. He was, you couldn't see it on camera, but he was being violently resisting. And this was not intended to obstruct the airway. But if you find that this was an unreasonable risk, then the only thing he's guilty of is murder in the second degree. Now, now the risk you run by running that defense is losing credibility with the jury. mm mm-hmm. Because with the way you posited it, you actually are saying, you're, you're basically telling the jury, hey, listen, we know that there was some culpability here, and we're letting you off the hook, jury. You can, you can go ahead and convict, but you can convict on the most minor charge. I, I think that's a good strategy, doing it that way, rather than trying to throw everything at the wall. But you can as right. a defense.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the strategy is in the defense. They could, like you said, they could just say, he's not guilty of anything. He did nothing wrong. Uh, He didn't violate any criminal statutes. This was a terrible tragedy, and it's nothing more than that. Um, So, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of see... Uh, as this goes on, where this goes, and, and frankly, we we are expecting a trial in this case. I, cases like this usually don't plea out. This, I don't this, think there's going to be a plea offer. I, I think this is going to go all the way.
1: That that's exactly right. This this has to go all the way. Um, you know, they're not going to say, "Okay, we'll let you plead to third degree homicide, third degree murder, yeah. and we'll stipulate to you know 25 years." It's just not going to happen. The 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 public wants wants full accountability yep. for this, yep. and there's there's virtually no chance this does not go all the way. So we've been talking virtually this entire podcast about the criminal liability of Officer Sheldon, um, but like we teased at the top, there's three other officers that were there, mm-hmm. right Colin? Yep. And until today, what, nine days after the offense, these other officers have had no criminal charges. Now, they've been under investigation, but like Officer Chauvin, they haven't
0: been arrested. Yeah, their liberty is they can do whatever they want right now. Right,
1: exactly. Well, not, not anymore. Not, to, exactly. <laughs> right? not, not as of earlier this afternoon. All right. Right. So they are being charged, all three of them, with aiding and abetting. Colin, what is aiding and abetting in well, Minnesota?
0: Let's go right to the Minnesota statute. Uh, Subdivision one, aiding and abetting liability. A person is criminally liable for a crime committed by another if the person intentionally aids, advises, hires, counsels, or conspires with, or otherwise procures the other to commit the crime. So, So what do you think? Well, first of all, it's worth noting that if a person is convicted of aiding and abetting uh, murder, they face exposure to the original charge of murder. Right. This isn't going to be – I mean, these guys, if they're charged with this, they're facing – uh, they're 40 years yeah they're facing Just like with,
1: Derek Chauvin is right same repercussions this isn't all oh, you aided and abetted here's your slap on the hand exactly here's your misdemeanor no
0: it's the same exact criminal liability but I will say I mean this the, the, the crux of of this case against these other three officers is gonna completely come down to what aiding and abetting means right I mean the way I read this this seems to require the prosecution to prove that there is some affirmative act that these that these officers did uh to advance the murder of george floyd let me read it again they the person if the person intentionally aids advises hires counsels or conspires with or otherwise procures the other to commit the crime what's absent in there is any failure to prevent the person from committing the crime so let's have that discussion russ what do we think about aiding and abetting uh, the charge of murder for these three officers. So I think you have to take it on an
1: officer-by-officer basis because right. they're all in different positions Absolutely. Here, and right? probably
0: at different vantage points, different understandings of what
1: happened. Well, right, right. It, and and they, all, they each did different things, right. right? So let's say Officer Tho, I don't know if I'm That's saying right. that right, um, but that officer, here's my argument if I'm the DA, hey, he was pushing people away who were trying, trying to, to go intervene. assist. No. That is an active role. That is something that certainly aided Officer Chauvin in killing George Floyd. That is my argument right there. Now, as a defense, my argument is he's got his back to him. He has no idea what's going on behind him. He's trying to keep a police scene Integrus. He's trying to make sure no one goes and interferes with what he believes is
0: a lawful police operation. How can you convict someone in that circumstance? And, 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 and to your point, the defense is certainly going to argue, look, his his attention was necessarily divided elsewhere. There were a lot of onlookers who were having a problem with this arrest. But, you know, someone had to keep the peace, so to speak, to make sure this didn't become more violent. Now, now
1: the other problem with that argument is that the prosecutor is going to say is, "Oh, he knew damn well what was going on because all the onlookers were telling him." Right. He's unresponsive. Bro. George Floyd
0: was screaming, "I right. can't right. breathe." Right. Well, and, and let's also talk about the fact that uh, Officer Chauvin was kneeing on the guy, using his knee to control the guy who's already handcuffs. That's not department policy, Russ. Right. You're not allowed to do that. These officers would know that. What about that? Why didn't they intervene? Yeah. No. And, that, and that's what you're saying if you're the DA, if you're the prosecutors. You're like, look, well, everybody was trying to intervene except for these three officers.
1: Right. Right. Well, there was... So let, let's talk about one of the other officers. One of the other officers, at least at one point, was also applying pressure to George Floyd as he lay prone on the ground, handcuffed. Um He was also pinning him down. He was constricting his chest. Now, we don't have the angle to see how long that happened. But there's body cam on this case, Colin. So these questions are going to be answered. Mm -hmm. Like, if we have three officers all kneeling on George Floyd while Officer Tho keeps onlookers away, that's a problem, For these other officers and their defense under the aiding and abetting statute. Now, if one or two of them got off quickly and were standing there, it becomes tougher. Mm -hmm. It doesn't make it impossible for the reasons we already talked about to convict, but it makes it tougher to convict. I mean, you have one of the officers who multiple times asked Officer Chauvin, should we flip him on his side? Right. You know, Okay, it's nice that you did that, officer. But Maybe
0: you should have flipped him on his side. <laughs> right,
1: right, right. Maybe you shouldn't have just stopped asking. Right. Yeah. So it's it's very it's going to be very interesting. It's obviously going to be tougher to convict these other guys. Um, but I mean that that brings us to kind of my next the and and last point on this is Colin. Is it easy to convict police officers of
0: homicide? It's not. And as Russ alluded to uh, earlier, we're, we're gonna I, I, we plan to revisit this issue. We plan to look at some of the more recent high profile deaths of African American men at the hands of law enforcement that we've we've all endured in the last few years. Uh, gosh knows there's countless of them. Um, but un- unfortunately, there's a lot of data that shows that convictions against these officers for homicide-related charges are very difficult to come by.
1: And and, and I, I actually have some stats on that. This is not related specifically to minorities. This is just any homicide where an officer was charged with murder, essentially, or homicide, while on duty. So. Officers charge, not just kill someone where it's clear it's, you know, in, in the line of duty, but this is criminal charges are brought. Since 2005, there have been 100 officers charged with homicide, and as of 2019, only 35 convictions, so a 35% mm-hmm. conviction rate, and none of those were for murder. They were all either manslaughter or negligent homicide. So lesser charges. That is that is massively lower than what you see with the rest of the population. Mm -hmm. And you know you might there there there's some good reasons why that is. First, jurors are reticent to convict police officers when the defense is this guy is a good guy and he was just trying to do his job. Mm-hmm. He's not out there. He's not a thug. He's not a drug dealer. Right. He's not He's not out there trying to cause trouble. He was trying to do his oh. job
0: and maybe he made a mistake. Well, and you know, let me offer this too. I think that another reason why juries are sometimes reticent to convict somebody of these charges is look, you know, jurors are members of society, right? And as members of society, we want to believe uh, that our police are acting appropriately. We want to believe that our police are doing the best we can. We don't want to subscribe to the, the belief that police officers are murderers, right? I mean, right. in our ideal society, right, no one would get killed at the hands of the police. And when it does happen, we, we almost... By knee-jerk reaction, try and say, "Well, this was an isolated thing; it would never happen to me." Or you know, or it this, didn't, or it didn't really happen, it, or it didn't happen that way. Right? You know, there are all kinds of things we're going to want to do to rationalize it. Just being human beings who want to believe that our police forces are taking care of us. You you also have another thing as far as evidence.
1: Whether you want to believe this or not, and I'm sure some people listening to this podcast will disagree, and good, it's absolutely your right. But there is, in my opinion, a code of silence with the boys in blue. Mm-hmm. And you are not going to rat out your fellow officer who you go out there with every day and put your life on the line, and you have to rely on this other officer to watch your back in life-threatening situations, you're not going to turn around in court and give evidence against them.
0: We'll see if if that ends up happening here. I mean, I I actually don't see this as the kind of case where the prosecutor is going to need to flip these officers. In other words, where they're going to need their cooperation to testify against Derek Chauvin. Um, I think the video speaks for itself. I think that their culpability is right there on camera, I I think they're all probably going to stand trial. I agree. I think this is not that case. And and
1: frankly, it's too high profile to do that anyway. The the public would not allow that on
0: on this case. So um, there we go. I think we're going to call that a podcast. Uh, You know, folks, this has been, uh, obviously, we've been trying to talk about this in a legal way, in an educational way, in an objective way. Um, That by no means diminishes uh the fact that this was just a horrific horrific scene and uh we know that we're all kind of dealing with this in the aftermath we hope that everybody stays safe out there uh we hope that justice gets done in this case and uh, most importantly i think we both hope that our country will heal from this because i think we are in need of healing aren't we russ
1: I think we absolutely are. Um, so, thank you all for listening. And Tough topic. I, thanks for staying with us. And, and as always, you can find us on Twitter, on uh, Facebook. Habits McAllen. You can find us on Twitter
0: at Is This Legal? And let we, us know what you think. By the way, we'd we'd be curious to hear what your opinion is as potential jurors of a case like this. You you have the law now. What do you think? Let us know. And we also just recently started a
1: video Q&A. These are short videos where if you've always wondered, wanted to put a face to the, to the voice for Habits and McAllen, you can check out our videos. You can find it at isthislegaltv.com and we're going to keep continuously adding some videos. They're about two minutes in length and please subscribe to that and again, let us know what you think. Thanks everyone. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Is This Legal? See you next time.